Alex, you're the shit. I like you already. Thank you. I try. What kind of tats we got there? Oh, I see a Michael Myers. Oh, yeah. I got a whole horror sleeve going. There's some Freddy. All right. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I, you know, I have tattoos and, and they're not great. Here, let me show you. Let me, let me take my shirt off. Yeah. Let's I, have, I have a beholder from D&D. Right. On, on my leg, I have a Pokemon. <laughs> Which one? And, uh, I got Geodude and he's holding a Zubat. Okay, cool. See, I'm an elitist. (laughs) I'm into the old school gaming. Also, my name's Russell, and that's (laughs) Corey. Hi, Alex. Uh, Also, on my uh, right butt cheek, I have a scar from when I fell out of a grocery cart when I was four. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. cool. There we go. All right. We're all really getting to know each other. This is nice. No, but I've always, ah, man, a horror tattoo. You know, I mean, we do a hack horror podcast, right? So people, the first question, what's your favorite horror movie? What's the scariest horror movie? And I just, I can't even commit to that answer. (laughs) And, and, you know, I love franchise horror and I constantly am changing who my favorite is. There was, there was a brief minute where it was Wishmaster, man. That's (laughs) you're counting the whole franchise, even three and four. No, of course. dude. I didn't didn't even, (laughs) I didn't even really love one. (laughs) One had the, uh, spoiler alert. If you're not caught up on Wishmaster, but I hate that April Fool's ending where it's like, got ya, nobody died. <laughs> I'm like, what? Um, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the last one was good. Wait, Wishmaster what? Four? Whatever the last one was. How do you know? You've never watched we any watched of these movies. It. No, we didn't. Do <laughs> you have any idea what we're talking about? Yeah. Also, Alex, I'm so sorry. This is not what our show is normally like. <laughs> we're, we're usually, we're much more boring. Honestly, <laughs> you caught us in a good mood today. I'll fair but, right um, All right. So uh, I'm guessing you got a good sense of humor, right? I try. All right. Checks out. All right. <laughs> you guys, you ready to start this officially? This video is not going anywhere, right? No, no, we're not using the video. <laughs> right, cool. Just to make it sure. Our audience. Oh, yeah. It's a that. little site called criterion.com. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's kick this off. Uh, hello, werewolves and mummies out there. God. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by Shudder. Uh, we're here. You want to spook your parents out? I was going to d- do a fake ad read there, but I, I couldn't commit. <laughs> because I, I want to talk to Screambox right now. Now, um, our, our lovely Oksana here is the one that set us up with this interview. And she was like, oh, you're going to talk to somebody from Screambox. And uh, honestly, I don't know if I knew what Screambox was at the time. But I've been digging into it, man. And I am... Um, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to sit here and talk to you about it because, man, it seems like a crazy time to be getting into the streaming wars game right now. But everything she said about you is that you're you're pumped, and uh, I, I I don't know. I can't wait to talk about this. Like, I I think I've been incorrect. I've been describing Screenbox as Shutter, like uh, uh, Shutter to Netflix as Tubi would be to Screenbox. But you guys are going to be a paid subscription, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we do currently have a free tier that only has a limited amount of movies with ads, um, but we don't really advertise that much, uh, that aspect of it. We're definitely focusing on the the paid version, which is only $5 a month. I think we're, of the paid ones, we're probably the cheapest streaming, ser- streaming service for what you get. Um, Shudder's definitely, you know, our main point of reference. That's the biggest horror streaming service out there, and we love their stuff. They have a lot of cool stuff. We're not trying to be the next shutter we're trying to be the first screen box how long oh, is i like that <laughs> also that's that's good marketing also i like i think i like your uh your stinger better than theirs 
Now, I think me and Clark were talking a little bit about this. The Streambox logo. Are you a fan? Be honest. Remind me. Uh, it says it's like a knife. Yeah. It says scream and box and oh, yeah. it comes down. Dude, I liked it. Yeah. I'm into it. And that's how I judge I my streaming I'm... services. <laughs> Shutter Nobody does have you. a theme by John Carpenter. We we can't compete with that yet, but. Oh, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Law and order bullshit over there. Yeah. I don't know. You know, so I'm I'm curious about this because Shutter's been around and I remember hearing Elijah Wood on a podcast talking about it. He's like, yeah, we're going to curate everything for horror fans. And my first thought was horror fans argue a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how you're going to make everybody happy in this big umbrella. And, you know, we've been Corporation. we've been living with them. Well, I meant like the culture of horror. I understand. Um, And, you know, now that we've been living with them for a few years. I, I don't know. What, what kind of culture do you think they have? I tend to think of them as like slightly elitist. Uh, I, I bet they, they've got a tone to their films. I think they're trying to be like international and kind of broad, but in a like justifiable way. I don't think they have a lot of like very lowbrow. Like you don't see a lot of trauma popping up over there. Yeah. And again, Alex, I'm only talking about this stuff because I'm wondering where Streambox is going to fit in. And, um, yeah, no, I don't know. I'd love to hear about it. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's a great question. Great comment. Um, I see where you're coming from with Shutter. I wouldn't necessarily use the word elitist, but <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, they they seem to. I mean, from an outside, I'm a longtime Shutter subscriber um, since yeah, very too. early on. Um, love a lot of their stuff, but yeah, I, th- I think for their originals and exclusives, they do tend to kind of go more towards the out- art house route. And there's certainly exceptions to that rule, but. Um, yeah, uh, I think there's there's so many. I mean, this is an old hat at this point, but so many, particularly internationally, horror movies out there being made that you just you know you don't even know about them. There's there's so many, and that doesn't mean they're bad. There's just we're so inundated with content twenty four seven. So something that Screenbox is focusing on with our originals and exclusives is to kind of shed a light on that. Um, some of the other streaming services will do like a new movie every week, which is exciting. And like, you definitely get what you pay for, but sometimes you can't keep up with them. Um, so part of our strategy is, is to do maybe one or two a month in addition to, you know, older titles, um, that, you know, in our library to promote. Um, and in terms of tone, um, we're still kind of finding our footing, uh, in that regard. I wouldn't say there's a particular you could really define what makes a Screenbox movie at this point. Um, and I'm kind of proud of that because the horror genre itself is obviously so diverse. Um, but in terms of your, your trauma uh, comparison, um, not necessarily an exact trauma title, but we have a new movie coming out at the end of this month called Pussy Cake, which is... Um, I beg your pardon. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> Um, it's my, my elevator pitch is evil dead meets Josie and the pussycats covered in body bodily fluids. Um, it's, it's, it's an all girl (laughs) rock band who's like struggling and basically they have to end up fending themselves, fending for themselves against these, this ravenous horde of zombie ish creatures. Um, so so now is pussy cake a movie that was produced by Screenbox or is that an acquisition? That is an acquisition thus far. Um, the, I mean, it's, it's kind of within the um, the legal terms of what 
of how it gets branded, whether it's an original or exclusive. Um, Pussy Cake is a considered a Screenbox original, but we did not produce it. Thus far, all of our originals have been acquisitions. Um, it's definitely something we want to look into in the future to start producing from the ground up. Um, but yeah, that, so, so far we have not produced an original. Cool. I feel bad for making this so like corporate right off the bat. But, you <laughs> no, know, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. Well, I mean, because we what we record twice a week and we talk about horror movies all the time. And one of the things we talk about is just like kind of how much content there is out there. And w- one of the things that becomes really helpful is when you have a streaming platform that's very like narrow in scope. And I mean, like Shutter Counts, they do horror. And then there's like POV horror that does only in-world camera. And it kind of helps as like, I mean, being a horror dork, you just turn to them. So I'm honestly pretty excited to see a new one pop up. And, uh, you know, from like the days of pro wrestling, you get the best content when you have people competing for it. So I think competition will breed something. And um, I think what Oksana was telling me that you guys, uh, now I don't know if I can say this, but you all acquired Terrifier 2? That's correct. Yes. Um I'm not sure when the show will air, but tomorrow the official trailer drops. Oh, rad. Um, we don't have a date yet set yet, but it'll be out in the fall. That's a Screenbox original. Um, be the only place to stream it. It'll also be available on other like VOD channels. But for five bucks, you get the entire Screenbox library for cheaper than a rental. Um, and yeah, it's if if you like the first one you're going to love the sequel it's it's has more story to it but it has all the same gore even better gore bigger budget um better production value uh david howard thornton who plays arthur Clown, is just incredible in that role um a new final girl who's kick ass it's it's a really cool movie um i think fans are going to dig it and honestly i mean that has helped kind of put us on the map put us in the conversation with shutter um because, like you said, it is. I mean, there's so many streaming servers out there. There's so many horror movies yeah. out there. Yep. It's it's kind of hard to make people care. Like, we need to justify that you're going to spend your hard-earned money on another streaming service. So, like, we want to make it worthwhile. Um, and so far, I mean, I'm very proud of, of what we've kind of acquired and accumulated in our library. Dude. Yeah, that's Ter- smart. Terrifier 2 is throwing down the gauntlet. Well, yeah, because it's uh, you're, you're sort of, you know, you know, waving the flag of like, you know, this is the place for, you know, people in the know, the hardcore horror fans. Because like the thing with the terror, the terror, because we have a friend who called it terror. <laughs> there's a local it. rapper who wanted to be on our show and he was like, dude, I want to talk about terror. And we're like, what are you talking about? Uh, honestly, he wasn't even impressed. So in so. my head, it's yeah. I only classify it as terror now. <laughs> it goes down much it's more smooth. The terrifier. Um you know, it's it's one of those things where it's just, you know, it's built such a fan base and, uh, you know, it's super big within the community. And for, you know, you guys to zero in on it. Now, it's see, the way to go. Our, our show, we have a pretty interesting dynamic here. We're a very great show. And uh, Clark here, he's kind of our like hacky mainstream dude. Randy, who turned his camera off, he this does international unfair. art house. And I'm kind of the more true uh, diehard horror fan. So I've been dealing with franchise films forever. Clark, he, he's a little new to it. And I, I don't think you, you appreciate how much art has like broken through in the zeitgeist of like slashers. Like Art the Clown is, that's a, that's a big move getting yeah. that film. And he's kind of, uh, I feel like even if Terrifier 2 turned out to be like horrible, 
it wouldn't matter if you could make another one and people would buy it. Like I'm in probably forever, and I'm an All Hallows Eve fan. Did you, were you were you able to check that one out, Alex? Yes, yeah. Um, that was the f- the first time I saw him, but before I knew, you know, before I expected that anything else would come of it. Um, and then when I saw Terrifier, I was like, I think I've seen this clown before, and then kind of backtracked. So, Alex, um, your your relation with Streambox? Are you like the PR guy? Like, what would you call yourself? Yeah, it's weird. I don't really have an official title, but yes, I am their acting publicist. I also run their social media and I do some behind the scenes stuff. See, now, normally, whenever we get a guest and we have a uh, PR person in here, they're usually very polite. They'll never turn on their camera. (laughs) And uh, I never get the like feeling that they're a horror fan, but uh, you did turn on your camera and I feel (laughs) like I see a wall of Blu-rays or those records. Oh, no, those those are Blu-rays and DVDs. I I mix them together, but... Why would you think those are records? I don't know. You have depth perception. He he looks like he could be a a music dude. Uh, I also have a wall of records in a different room. Yeah. See, come on. Okay, I understand that. But Russell, that's clearly, that's clearly Blu-rays and DVDs. Well, because you never, it's one of those things where it's like, I uh, I see a kindred soul, but I don't want to be duped. So uh, well, I, that's I'll, I'll be that's why I got the job with Screenbox is I started doing their social media. Um, well, to to backtrack a little bit, Screenbox uh, a couple years ago got acquired by Cinedime, which is a distributor. They put out some great movies, um, and around the same time, they also acquired Bloody Disgusting, which is obviously you know yeah. the number one source for horror news. So, for whatever corporate synergy, I guess you'd call it, if I was a real publicist. Um, they uh bloody disgusting is now basically powering Screenbox. um so i was a contributor to bloody disgusting oh. got, got in working with them um and kind of got recommended for this social media gig and they were impressed with what i did brought me on as publicist because i've worked on you know doing indie horror movie publicity and i'm kind of they have like they hire out big like pr firms teams to to do some of their bigger titles like terrifier 2 is going to have like a huge media push um, but I'm like the in-house guy for some of the smaller titles. And like, if you're whatever, tweeting at us a question, I'll be the one answering it at Screenbox TV. So Alex, just to, you know, uh, let you in behind the curtain here. Uh, we're, we're all, well, except for Randy, but he's, uh, he's a recovering Bay Area kid. He's out in Atlanta now, but you know, we're, we're all in the Bay Area here and, uh, we, we know the startup language. Oh yeah. Alex. <laughs> So what you're speaking right now, we get it. All right. <laughs> I work for a startup currently. Russell's startup. We're all startups. Yeah. We get it. Randy sold out because he's a corporate scum, but <laughs> he, he fought the fight. Well, his, his startup turned corporate, so it's still in the DNA. <laughs> as long as he got in before they went corporate, I think that counts. Oh, yeah. He got stocks and everything. That's why he doesn't do this oh, podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's why with us. <laughs> his head's so big. That's why he didn't turn his camera off. <laughs> Love you, Randy. Oh, Randy Stan is typing. <laughs> <laughs> All true. Randy Stan, 6.22 p.m. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so Al- <sighs> man, there's so much I want to talk to you about. Now, you're in there. You're in the streaming wars right now. You got skin in the game. How many times are you going to say streaming wars today? I don't know. I'm into it. <laughs> that's, my, that's my thing. <laughs> no, but... Now, where does the company? I'm I'm taking a turn here. Where does the company like Kings of Horror fall? Like I, I don't ever. We don't ever get to talk to like insider people. And Kings of Horror, for those that don't know, the they YouTube do a, channel. a YouTube channel, but they have free movies on there. And it seems like they're starting to acquire them too. 
And I don't know why, but it freaks me out. I'm like, ah. I don't, there's something different. Are you a big YouTube guy? Uh, I'm actually not. I'm like, I feel like I'm a little too old for it. I'm, I'm in my thirties. I feel like that was a younger person's game, or at least I should have started doing like whatever. I just celebrated my 36th birthday two days ago. <laughs> I've done YouTube previous all you're the too way, old for baby. No, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, like Kings of Horror, I'm familiar with the name. I've never seen any of their stuff, so I can't comment on it. Um, but I think that's an interesting model. I don't, I can't imagine it being super financially stable in the long run if they're paying to acquire these movies. Uh, but that's just, yeah. just a, an assumption. Um, See, I, but like I, you said, competition breeds innovation. So more power to them. Yeah. I'm, I'm just worried that like, the indie world of film has always been very attracted to like horror creators. And I'm just like the thing about shutter is they do a good job, but they really have like a lot of, um, well, seemingly quality control, but they have like a lane kind of, and you know, you can put your stuff on Amazon or Tubi, but I, I don't know how much like financial reimbursement you really get there. And I think that you just hope that word of mouth will kind of carry it. Like we, we cover a lot of like found footage horror, so we see, we hear a lot from them. Like we have a lot of the directors on our show. And one of the things that got me excited about Screenbox, honestly, was I saw that you had that under your genre page. You had found footage. We so do. I don't, are you guys fans? Like, was it? The yeah, next um, we're actually quick, quick aside slash plug. Um, we're working on a new user interface. I mean, I say we, that's it's tech guys. I have nothing to do with it. But um, basically, when we we kind of inherited this current user interface for Screenbox, um, the, the website and the app. And it's, I mean, it's serviceable, but there's like, if you go through our genre sections, there's like 30 different genres, which yeah. on the one hand is nice to have it so segmented, but on the other hand, it's almost like overwhelming. Um, so we're currently working, we're hoping to have it launched in time for like Halloween time. Um, this new new version of the site that's going to have much more streamlined. It's, it's going to be like, I forget, 12 or 13 genres. And one of them is still found footage. Um, okay, we good. do we do have a, a bunch of cool titles in that. I mean, it's one of those things that, I mean, it's cliche to say, but like, you know, anyone can make one. Um, yeah. So that's both has its positives and negatives. Um, so it's kind of something you, you can sometimes have to sift through. But at, in general, I mean, I'm, I'm an indie filmmaker myself. I haven't made a found footage movie, but I think it's, it's very intriguing because it's so accessible. Um, but now, I mean, like any subgenre, like if you're making a slasher now, like I want to see something that I haven't seen in 300 other movies in whatever subgenre I'm watching. Um, and that's kind of my goal, whether it's a Screenbox title or I'm watching something on any other streaming service. I want to see something different. It's fine to be familiar, but I just don't want to I don't want redundancy. Yeah, I'm totally there with you. Like if you're going to do like uh, what? So at the startup I'm currently working at, somebody was asking me about The Collector. And I'm like, whoa, how'd you hear about that title? Which honestly, what? It's got to be like 10 years old now. Or it must something. be pretty close to that, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's a, I feel like that's always a great example. Like they kind of took the slasher genre, but they, they explored it in a very different way. Collector's old as hell, dude. Have you watched it? No. Oh, dude. <laughs> You're terrible. I, I, think it, I think it was originally written as a Saw prequel, and then that didn't happen, and they like retrofitted it to be its own thing. Whoa, that would totally make sense. Dude, you should check it out. Like, I, I'm shocked you haven't watched it. It's good, yeah. The sequel's good, up, too. I just caught up with um, the other Keanu 
horror film. What? Eli Roth. <laughs> the other Eli Roth? The pizza one? No, the two girls with... Uh, yeah, and he oh, delivers... Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Knock, knock. Knock, yeah. knock. Doesn't he have a line about pizza in there? Oh, my God. Can you look What's that up? What's the pizza line? It's a good line. It's so good that I knew about it, but I couldn't oh, recall maybe. it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got Eli Roth problems, I think. I don't... All right, how's Screenbox feel about Eli Roth? <laughs> um, I don't know about him as a person. I've heard mixed things, but uh, I enjoy some of his movies more than others. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I well feel like said by it. a publicist. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, is he problematic? It seems like he would be hanging out with Tarantino all the time. <laughs> um, and Tim Dillon. Oh, oh, that's right. He's a huge Tim Dillon fan. That's right. Yeah, they can't be good. <laughs> So okay, when do, when does Pussy Cake come out? Pussy Cake lands uh, August thirtieth. Oh wow! Yeah, we got to cover that one. Roxanne, did you find that damn quote? I remember. You... I remember it being terrible. Okay. <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay. So, man, Alex, what was? So, I mean, because you're a PR guy, are you doing a lot of podcasts right now? Um, this is my first one on behalf of Screenbox, but uh, I actually have another one recording next week. But um, I'm more of a more of a written guy than a spoken guy. I like to I write and rewrite myself like 80 times before I publish. Um, oh, look, that's right. Wait, no, Oksana told me you have a blog. Yeah, I have a site called Broke Horror Fan, which like highlights horror movie merchandise. All right, I have to check that out because she was telling me I was familiar with it. Highlights horror movie merchant. Now, as uh, somebody who wrote a blog for many years, uh, do you find the word to be a bad word now? <laughs> like, do you do you shudder when people are like, "Oh, you got a blog"? Yeah, if you notice, you said I have a blog, and I say I run a site. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I caught God. a blog. You need to be better at these things. <laughs> well, I was trying to recall. Okay, I think I am familiar with this, dude. Well, I remember when John Squires was doing it, and it kind of felt cool. What God? How long was? Go was that like twenty years ago? And I, I love John. He's my editor at Bloody Disgusting. Oh, I thought he was over at um, Dread Central. No, it's Bloody. No, yeah, he's he's the editor at Bloody. Rad. So is he involved in Screenbox too? He is um, not necessarily in an official capacity, um, but he is he is a involved. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Just make up a word. <laughs> dude, you, you need to know The Godfather more. Dude. <laughs> Get some culture. So, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Watch the okay. goddamn Sopranos. You got the guy with the shirt, no shirt on, telling me to get some culture. <laughs> that's, that's right. All right. We got highbrow Burt Kreischer's here, yeah. dude. <laughs> dude, okay. Wait, what state are you in, Alex? I'm in Massachusetts. Is it hot over there, too? Yes, it is. Yes. How hot? <laughs> um it's actually cooled oh, off in the last week or so it's probably like 80 well because i just came out of a warehouse that was 82 degrees i'm wearing this hat right now yeah and i'm dying on the inside my head is boiling <laughs> i know but dude the, the microclimates here are insane <laughs> it could be 20 degree difference within five miles sorry alex you know the i shouldn't have asked him to turn his camera on i feel like you're an old friend <laughs> here i can't help but like look at your collection behind you i mean so we film a YouTube show out of here once a week and uh, we use our collection as a backdrop because it's all Blu-ray coverage. And I don't know, man, it feels like the medium is fading away. 
Actually, look at you. You're a turncoat. You're working for the streaming <laughs> now. I've betrayed. And Broke Horror Fan is based on physical media. Like, I don't cover <laughs> digital releases. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm an anomaly. So, okay, have you adopted the new thing of not opening your Blu-rays when you buy them? Oh, God, no. Okay, no, thank you. It's mean, called Broke Horror Fan. I'm too, I can't afford <laughs> to buy something and then not use it. Well, because, what do you mean adopting the new way? Well, I've seen a lot of people online, like um, one of the, the new big Blu-rays that came out was an American Psycho Steelbook that was like a 4K and it had a slip cover that was see-through and people were taking it and putting it on other Blu-rays and like posting it. But like there were half of them were like, oh, I didn't open mine. And it's like, what do you mean you didn't open it? But because there's so many streaming services out here, people like me and Alex will just buy the movie often for the third or fourth time. Yeah. And then, you know, like if, if people came over and they're like, hey, you want to watch Halloween? I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. And I'd probably check online first. Yeah. Instead Before of grabbing, getting up. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's like TV shows. Forget it. Like if you. Have- oh, yeah. I was just thinking about the other day. I was at uh, like a used. Uh, it was a record store, but also at the DVD section. Um, and like seasons of TV were really like I almost picked up the monsters and I was like, yeah, but am I going to want to get up and change the disc every whatever four or six episodes? Well, how much were they charging for it? <laughs> it was pretty cheap, but uh, I, I don't remember. It was like 12 bucks for a season. Okay. Do you actually consider like, am I going to pop this in? <laughs> uh, for older stuff I do. Uh, but if, if it's like a newer, a newer release, I know I will like, it's something I'll go home, go home and watch. I'm definitely getting more selective with my collection. Um, the, yeah. the older I get and the more space becomes limited. Well, okay. You've been working with bloody disgusting and now you're over with Screambox. Have you found like now that you're kind of in the industry that your collecting has like waned at all? Um, I would say the stuff I purchase has, but I also not necessarily through, through bloody or Screambox yet, but through broke horror fan, sometimes I'm considered like an influencer. Oh, okay. um, rad. So I'll get whether it's screeners to review or just like promotional items. I'm a huge sucker for like weird promotional items. Um, oh, dude. They're the best. Yeah. <laughs> and blogging. I remember I did a contest and oh my God, in the dark ages of blogging, like 2015, <laughs> you, you knew like new ones that popped up. They probably didn't have a lot of readers. And I remember one had done a contest for like Oculus. And I was like, well, why not? All they want is an email. And I like won it. It came with the weirdest shit. There was like a <laughs> cup that would change color based on the temperature of your uh, drink. There was a white shirt that when you walked in sunlight turned red, like you were bloody, but oh, only man. like it every time it looks like you spilled Kool-Aid. <laughs> it, it's actually super inconvenient. Yeah, it was like a sleep mask. And I'm like, all this shit, I've never seen it anywhere before. But, uh, you know, I remember all of it. Have have you gotten hooked up with anything through the blog? Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the coolest or weirdest stuff. Actually, I can tell you the coolest uh, because there's this movie called The Drone that came out like, I don't know, four years ago, maybe. They gave you a, a fucking drone? And they gave me a fucking drone. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay. a cheap drone, but not like, I mean, even a cheap drone is still like cool. It's probably, you know, probably cost them whatever, $90. Um Damn. And the, the drone is actually a pretty good movie. Uh, it's like a serial killer, like inhabits the his spirit gets like put into a drone. I forget the exact reason for it, but kind of like a child's play thing. He like dies near a drone and then puts his spirit into the drone and then like still goes after people as a drone. It's played comedically smartly. 
Um, that sounds great. Unfortunately, <laughs> and this is true, this is not the first drone serial killer movie I've seen. So wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Hold on. Now, I. Well, the other I, one didn't send me a drone, so. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Now, tell me if you're in now, Clark. I pulled it up, and the cover is a drone in a rocking chair, right? <laughs> wait, I'm, is it? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, it it's a drone in a rocking chair. And it says from the producers of Searching and Unfriended. Oh boy. Now, is this an in-world oh, fear? And, and it has uh, Alex Esso from Starry Eyes as like the main girl. Oh, rad. Okay, well, is it all from like the perspective of the camera on the drone? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately. Oh, Chris D'Elia? <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, he, he's, he's like a voice in it. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, no wonder oh, we never heard snap. of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> this was like prior to all this con- controversy, I think, but like only just barely. Well, he's back. So is it? Yeah. bring the drone He's out back. now. What, what is the uh, promotional drone? Does it just say the drone like <laughs> on the side? Um, yeah, I think it just has like a sticker on it. that says the drone. It came in like a big box that had a big drone sticker on it. And it that's came funny. like with with the DVD. And it's funny because like that's a movie that didn't even get a Blu-ray release. But for whatever reason, somebody somewhere signed off on sending out drones with the copy of a standard definition movie in 2019 or whatever. Dude, that's incredible. Write-offs, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how did you start the blog? Like, what, what took you that direction? The site. Um, the site. The site. The, I'm, I'm Jesus so sorry. As Christ. somebody who used to cringe all the time, I should know I that. I know. Dude. But here's the thing. I what ca- happened to you? I came to terms with it. I was like, you know what? It's a fucking blog. <laughs> you beat me to it because I was going to say, as someone who doesn't have a blog, I don't know how to answer that question. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> have more self-worth. You asshole. <laughs> okay, coming from the guy who spilt coffee in the hallway and left it on the wall. I tripped. You should have been worried about my safety. <laughs> Alex, we do live together. So, <laughs> actually, all of us do. Oksana's here also. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm super curious because the way I got into uh, creating my site on Blogger, it was um, I was on unemployment for a while and I was bummed out. I was getting Blu-rays at the library and I just remember thinking, well, Maybe if I uh, start sharing my lovely opinion with everybody and actually putting some effort into writing about things, I could start like finagling some press stuff. And I mean, I eventually did. And it felt like great. I'm like, dude, I can't believe people are sending me their movies, no matter how good or bad they were. I was always just like, I don't know, so in love with that idea. And how, how did you get into it? Um, there was definitely a little bit of that for me. Um, I started like as a teenager, basically like back then I would actually call it blogging. Um, and I don't know, wrote for a couple really small sites at that, at that point, just kind of learning my way on um, the site called horror One Hundred One that I ended up like kind of co yep. co running for a little bit. Um, and then that went away. Um, and I contributed to a few different sites over the years, some bigger, I did, I wrote for dread central hour in the head. Um, were a couple pieces for Harhound magazine. Um, and then I kind of realized like none of this was paying or when it did, it was peanuts. And I was like, and I wasn't really getting anything out of it. Like exposure is cool, but only to a point. So yeah. I was just like, I'm kind of tired of this, particularly like the news cycle stuff was, is just so hmm. it's, you're basically just going to bloody disgusting and seeing what they posted and then kind of rewriting it. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm tired of this. If I'm going to do this, I want to do it for myself. I want to do it my way. I want to find my own niche and and do that. So that's that's 
where like the kernel of Brokar fan was because because I'm a big collector as as we've discussed. Um, and I don't, I wouldn't say I don't care about the news, but there's so many other sites doing that bigger, better, faster with more connections than I ever could. Yeah. Um, so to me, it just seemed pointless to go for that. Uh, but there's so many cool companies doing, you know, shirts and posters and, and Blu-rays and records. And a lot of that kind of doesn't get covered on some of the bigger sites. This is just only because there's so much to catch up with. Exactly. Um, so yeah, in 2014, I started Broke Horror Fan. Um, just with you know it's it's built on tumblr which uh barely exists anymore but i hope they don't go down because i'll lose everything but it seemed like a really good good idea at the time because it's free so like i don't pay for hosting or anything i just pay for a domain name that's a little known fact about broke car fan um dang that is brutal because Tumblr might actually go away. I, it, it almost did when they, they took away the nudes and like it was chaos, but they're kind of building back up. Um, I mean, their culture became so like interlocked with that, though. Like, I remember learning about like furries and thinking that was like <laughs> synonymous with Tumblr. I mean, not far off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like when you take away the nudes, it's like who made that call? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm the only person like of my age range that's still doing it uh but they have recently like made an effort to like get younger people and i think it's kind of, i feel like there's like a big i don't know people who like listen to bts or whatever like <laughs> there's like a contingency of like youth demographic that thinks tumblr is probably like retro cool to them i don't even know wow. uh but i'm happy for it because it's it's keeping my site running <laughs> wait till they find out about live journal that's <laughs> really retro some nostalgia there um no, but okay. So hold on, as as a collector, I'm curious, there's a conversation I have with myself because nobody else in this house cares about my action figures. But I I constantly think back to like when I was digging around in like a Suncoast or a Tower Records. I'm not sure what you have out there. We have Suncoast too, yeah. Yeah, and, and like looking for like the newest McFarlane because he was the only one doing it with the IPs. Yeah. Oh, Seth, I love him. And then now we're in like, I mean, God, behind Clark is a wall of like Funko Pop toys that I that are really going to end up in a landfill someday now because they're like the new Beanie Baby. Yeah. But, like the IP thing is whatever. They got everybody. And I constantly am thinking about NECA. And I used to be really, really excited about like all the articulation, and how cool those toys were. But now I'm kind of like, I feel like they diluted the market. And I'm like. I don't know. How many fucking Freddies am I going to own? <laughs> like, Oksana's a big Predator fan. I think we have, what, like, it's so much easier to buy you a toy than to buy one for me. <laughs> so I think we have, like, five of them in their, like, nice box. And then we have a couple from, like, Sideshow Collectibles, too. And the reason why they're such a good couple is she's such a Predator fan, and you're such a Chris Hansen fan. Oh, God. <laughs> it just mashes perfect. Thank, thank you for shoehorning that one in. I'm done. I'm good for this <laughs> okay. So yeah, I don't know. Are you? Do you even collect? I'm assuming because it's broke horror fan. It just it seemed like it would click in there with the toys. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Um, I will say I only uh, for toys. I'll buy like scattered things if it's a character I really like or movie I really like. Um, but the only ones I collect regularly are the NECA Ultimates. Um, that's kind of yeah. where where I draw the line. Um, I do have I have a handful of Funko Pops. Um, I really mm. liked the the Super 7 reaction figures when they first came out because okay. they, were, they were doing these, well, the, the cool Star Wars style is just, you know, nostalgic to me, but I also like, they were getting like, you know, we're talking about IPs, like they were getting like smaller movies that didn't have toys at the time. 
Yeah. Like you couldn't find a snake Pliskin toy and now you can nope. get one for like 12 bucks. Um, but yeah, they've kind of, I don't know, they've made a lot and their prices have gone up a lot. Um, but they're still cool. They still do like different, different movies, different properties that aren't everywhere else. But yeah, the, the NECA ultimate line, um, I probably have like, I don't know, like 20, 25 different ones now. Um, are you still displaying them or did they end up in the closet? No, no, they're displayed. I actually have, uh, you probably can't see it because it's dark and my room is it's a fucking disaster right now, but ah, it looks good over. I'll oh, see the lighting's all fucked up over in that corner. No, I can't even do it. But in that <laughs> black blob right there, this is great podcasting. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry. Our audience is used who, to it. Who's that peeking out of your window? <laughs> oh, hey, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you made me look. Um, but it's actually like a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like display thing that NECA made. It's like a three-story building that was made to like display their Ninja Turtles toys. Um, a diorama, I guess is what it's called. It. Um, so I use that, and they're all on that. Um, and I'm pretty much out of room. They're like toppling over each other. But Dude, it's so he, okay, this, here's a weird tangent. I went to high school with this guy who was like a little skater. He wasn't like great or anything. And um, I, like a couple months ago, I... I, you know how the, the Instagram algorithm is so terrible and you can be friends with people forever and they'll never appear on your feed. <laughs> yes. Well, yes it turns out he popped up on mine and he was putting out an art book of the action figure photography he had been doing. He's got like thousands of fans and I'm just like, what the hell have I been doing? <laughs> I don't know yeah, there's like I'm- a whole, a whole um, subculture of action figure photography that I found just, I think, through following NECA on Instagram because they'll share share them like weekly. Wait, um, what was that? Um, they made the Steve Carell movie that's based upon the <laughs> that is um, taxidermy dude. No, no, that's based upon the document Marwin Call, but then they renamed it to Marwin. I have no idea. Corral. I have no idea what you're Randy talking about. Randy knows what I'm talking about. I, I thought you were talking about the movie where you had the taxidermy Alex, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I never saw the movie, but I remember that coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Marwin. Thank you, Randy. That's the name of the Steve Carell movie. You don't know what I'm talking about? No. You never saw that documentary? It's a fantastic documentary. Okay. <laughs> what is it about? This guy who photographs he does war reenactments and he created like his own little i remember thing. when that came out the trailer looked like it was a lifetime movie yeah and our, and it almost seemed like it was so self-aware that it might have been a comedy like almost making fun of itself i guess it didn't do well oh the steve carell thing is uh infamously um exhibited okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah so all right. Now, I, I realize this must go against Broke Horror Fan, the, the name of the site, but have you ever have you ever splurged or made payments on one of those sideshow collectible? No, I was actually going to say that when you brought it up. That's, that's like the one thing I don't have. I actually did. I take that back. I don't have it in my possession yet, but I just pre-ordered. It came out a couple of years ago, but there's a new batch. Um, the Oh, no, I take it back. Never mind. No, I don't have any sideshow. <laughs> Edit that out. You guys edit this out, right? No, it's all stained. No, I'm just either. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you want to see all the shades of Alex? Today. No, what I was thinking was I just got the Trick or Treat Michael Myers, um, which is expensive for me for a toy. It's like a hundred bucks. Um, but no, I have not gotten into the side. I would love to, but space and price, I just can't justify it. Yeah. What's like a? What's like a? What's the Princess Diana Beanie Baby? Oh, <laughs> this world. You know, it, it's you know? too uh, What's wild the west. Grail? 
There, I don't think there is one. There's no. You know what? You know what I see sell a lot for a lot in Facebook groups is I don't even know who made them. Maybe McFarlane. Um, Devil's Rejects toys when when that movie first came out. Oh, mama mia! What the hell? <laughs> there was like a like a three pack of the three of the the rejects. Um, yeah. There was maybe even a Suncoast exclusive or something like that um, that I see go for like hundreds of dollars every once in a while. What the hell? What? What? Okay, where do you oh, fall? Mezco. On... It might have been Mezco. Not oh, Mezco. Damn. <laughs> where, so where, where do you fall with the whole Rob Zombie catalog? Um, when the Devil's Rejects came out, it was like one of my favorite movies. Um, I was like sixteen at the time. So to put things in perspective, now I don't like it so much. I, I shouldn't say I don't like it. It doesn't hold up the way I thought it did. I revisited it a couple of years ago. Um, I think he's a great director. I think he needs a co-writer or at least or another somebody else's script. Um, I think visually he does some really interesting things. Casting is usually pretty fun, although sometimes he shoehorns in too many like cameos. Um, but I think no way, not Rob Zombie <laughs> yeah, yeah. or his controversial wife? opinion. But yeah, I, I don't mind his wife. I think she's like a decent, decent actress for for what she's usually called to do. Um, and like, I feel like if I, you know, if my girlfriend wanted to act and I was making movies, I'd put her in everything too. Like, why not? Yeah, I kind of get that. I I do, and I think about that a lot. I'm like, it will. I mean, why wouldn't you want to work with somebody you like being around? Yeah. And uh, I bad. showed up to this podcast one day and Oksana's here. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that happened. It's, it's how more it like happened. a Yoko thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, we did take a very drastic turn. How did you that. know her nickname? <laughs> <laughs> no, because earlier when you mentioned you almost bought a Monsters uh, DVD, I, uh, you know, part of me wanted to take that turn right there. But I, <laughs> how do you feel about that recreation? Um unsure it's it's (laughs) i try to go into every movie with an open mind i i i'm lukewarm on rob zombie i think his best work is lords of salem and i i've really come around on house of a thousand corpses which again i liked when i was 14 or whatever and then i kind of like it went i didn't like it so much but now i'm like it's like fun it's like him throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks um but i really thought his last i was super disappointed in the last two um Three from Hell because I like the Devil's Reject so much. It just felt like kind of a, a a retread of that, but like without any of the heart. Yeah. And Thirty One felt like if you were to like have an algorithm write a Rob Zombie movie, <laughs> it's like yeah. clowns on Halloween set in the seventies. Everything's grungy. Star Shattered Moon Zombie. Like it is very bot like. Yeah. Well, that's a very bitter Rob Zombie who made that movie. <laughs> And I remember, I know we've, we've told this on the podcast before, but we saw a Fathom event of that where he did an interview prior. And uh, the interview, he talked about how he didn't want to make that movie. And he had, it, I think he was trying to do his Green Street hooligan thing. or Oh, yeah, he was trying yeah. to do that for a while. And then uh, the people, the producers he was talking to were like, we don't want to do that. Give us something else. And he was like, what do you want? Like clowns killing people on Halloween? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> Let's hear more about that. And he's like, so you know what I did? I just made that fucking movie for um, him. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, dude, we just watched that movie. That's yeah, that's bold to like admit publicly. I remember dude, that. it was But a- it also not at all surprising based on, you know, the content of the movie. No, and you know, um recently, um, you're you're a collector guy. Uh Severin's been putting out these like large bundles that have yeah. novels with them. Yeah. And we, we had Brad Carter on the show like a couple weeks ago, and he did one for uh, Night of the Demon. 
Have you seen that? Uh, I've not seen the movie. It's like oh, a Bigfoot dude. movie, right? I'm, oh, it's a Bigfoot movie. It yeah. rips somebody's dick off. That's all I know about it, right? Yeah. Directed uh, by a guy who had only made porn prior to that. <laughs> it is an avant-garde uh, Lou Ferrigno Bigfoot of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> there's titty sucking in there. <laughs> dude, you guys know how to sell a movie. Dude, yeah. There's one, one boob does get uh, some suction applied to it. And it's as jarring as you would think. For all the, all of the, the wait talk- by Bigfoot no in, in the book well in the book uh, there's plenty of that and I highly recommend the book I don't know if I you actually I am a huge fan of novelizations oh dude okay well Rob Zombie had one for Lords of Salem yeah uh, it actually it made me like the movie and more because the the movie was definitely like he ran out of time and or money to like pull off some of the endings so there's definitely some like uh plot i like i actually call it plot holes or just like un unfinished business um yeah. in, in the last act everything kind of just goes crazy and it, and it has kind of like a fulci feel to it which i'm super into but also to like your average moviegoer is definitely unfulfilling um and yeah reading reading the novel it filled in some of those gaps and kind of made it like a better experience retroactively. Who, who wrote the novel uh he's credited but i think he has a co-author which means he probably didn't do a ton of work on it yeah or he had like an outline and somebody fleshed it, it out. Yeah, exactly. They probably went from his original script and they probably read it and gave notes or whatever. But yeah, I got to throw that into my queue. It's, I, it's worth it's worth reading, especially if you like read it and then watch the movie and you can be like, oh, yeah, you know, it actually hurt Night of the Demon for me. <laughs> I read the novel and I was like, you know, I'm going to go back to it because we had <laughs> saw it at a, a Bigfoot fest and the guy who was programming it was like, I've never seen this movie, but I heard it's crazy. So like only us, it was only like our group of friends hung out and it was one of those, like you're tired, drunk and the movie is bizarre. So it just like <laughs> held a like perfect spot in my memory. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to read the book and I'll revisit the movie. And I was like, wow, the book is fantastic. And the movie, there's a lot of holes here. <laughs> the movie is great. I, great. I, I can't. Yeah. Take it you away. You spoiled your brain with the book. The book is great. I'm not, I'm not saying that the book's not great. And, um, Downstairs, I do have the Lords of Salem book, which is mostly an oddity for friends who come over because they walk by and they're like, wait, is there really a novel about this? Alex, are you a voracious reader? Um, I wouldn't say voracious. I'm a super slow reader. I always have been like, uh, so it takes me a long time to get through a book. And I also have a terrible memory. So like if I don't sit and read it, if I don't like commit to like, all right, I'm going to read this book in a week, I'll like kind of settle aside and either never go back to it when i do go do go back to it i have no idea what's going on Dude, um, i but, feel your pain no oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear about the only one so I've, I've been doing a lot of audiobooks lately i shouldn't say a lot but like when i can um and i find that's a little e- like when i'm driving i can't do anything or i lose focus uh on what's being said but for driving um been getting into those all right do you now <laughs> say you finished a good audiobook and you're hanging out with some friends do you self-edit yourself and say like, oh, I just listened to this book. <laughs> or do you say I read, I just read. Um, depends who I'm talking to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, what's the, what's the thing there? Because it's weird I'm, that there's like, there shouldn't be a stigma, but I feel like there is. <laughs> yeah. I, I would feel like I'm lying. Yeah. <laughs> but I've, well, I've like, heard people talk about it and they're like, it's the exact same thing. Here's the thing. If I listen to the audio book, of war and peace <laughs> i'm gonna say red war and peace because i imagine the audio for war and peace is 19 weeks long <laughs> you gotta listen to that on on like 1.5 times speed get through oh, that dude 
I would actually uh, want to fight you over that. That's a lie. <laughs> you can't take that. No, no. Read, yeah, have you read War and Peace? That's a thing. I'll take that stolen valor any day, dude. <laughs> That's like an all-night movie marathon. Like, you don't do it for the, the uh, reflection and conversation you're going to have about the films after you watch them. <laughs> you do it to say you did it. <laughs> right? Yeah, but you had to listen to all that. Listening's know. hard, dude. All right. Who, who's your favorite um, slasher, Alex? Uh, Michael Myers. All right. Who else do you have on your arm? Also, uh, beautiful tattoo work. Thank you. Yeah, I, I um, again, riveting podcasting. I looked for someone who could do color portraiture. I spent a long time looking for someone who could do it because obviously portraiture is usually black and white. Ended up finding a woman who's pretty close to me um, that just knocked it out of the park. She's not a horror fan, so she like gets excited to do this stuff because it's out right. of her wheelhouse. Um, so I have Michael, Jason, Freddy. Uh, under there's a knife with Norman Bates. Uh, Jaws and Frankenstein from the Monster Squad, dude. And then I got room for like two or three more. I'm still deciding as I have the money to do it because it's obviously very expensive. I'm I'm glad that you pointed out it was from the Monster Squad. That's our boy. Because there are a couple little details there where if you were oh, going yeah. to get uh, if Tom got Noonan. Off, yeah, dude, fucking, I love Tom. We love Tom. I think he was the best part of Eight Legged Freaks. Yeah, he's the best part that? of anything. <laughs> yeah, he's the best part. Of- He's the best part of that that Jay Leno, Pat Morita. Oh, House of the Devil. Movie I was talking about where he plays uh, the heavy in there. He's so good. Tom Noon is the best. All right. Now, I think we've uh, officially qualified you as a horror fan. Uh, (laughs) Everything checks out. The Blu-rays behind you are not made of cardboard or some weird material like in the rehearsal. You mean the records? Yeah. Now, when... When you get picked up by Screenbox, are you legitimately excited now about this company? Be honest. Oh, yeah. Uh, gonna- yeah, dude, I'm totally honest. I would subscribe if if I didn't work for them. Um, I, like I said, Terrifier 2 kind of put us on the map. But prior to that, last month, we released this documentary called Pennywise, the Story of It, which is a documentary on the 1990 miniseries, It. Um, now, now, did you guys produce that one, or was that another acquisition? That's another acquisition. It's it's as brand as a Screenbox original, but they they crowd crowdfunded that. Like it was like five years in the making. All um, right. No, now I I checked that one out recently too. And um, did you watch it? Yeah, yeah. So um, what did you what did you think? I I liked it a lot because that's one of those movies. Like it it kind of had a cultural impact on a whole generation because it was you know broadcast on tv i was i was a little too young for it um i was one so i was very too young for it but um you know you always hear people like that that was, that's a lot of like kinder trauma or like their introduction to the genre for a lot of that's people yeah uh but despite that and like pennywise being iconic even before the new movies um there really wasn't a ton of information about that miniseries out there um you know, everyone involved like was already successful or like many of the kids went on to be successful. Um, so they always had other stuff to talk about. There wasn't a lot of behind the scenes, you know, footage or anything. But in the documentary, in fact, unearthed a bunch that's in there. Um, and yeah, just a lot of cool insight, learned a lot of cool things. And even beyond that, sometimes with these documentaries, it's just like, I don't know, almost feels like not a sequel, but like you're getting new you get to spend more time with these characters you love kind of in a way, if that yeah. doesn't sound weird. No, um, you know, um, I actually, I thought it was really good. 
Now, um, what Daniel Farron had done a bunch of those, right? He did like Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday. Yeah, they. I think they kind of. There was a few that came before that, but I think those two, the the Crystal Lake Memories and Never Sleep Again, really uh, kind of blew the doors off the whole thing. Which also showed that, like, look, we don't need to be ninety minutes. The fans want oh, yeah. as much content as they can get. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I I definitely appreciate that, and I believe um, the Pennywise documentary. It what it clocks in a little under two hours, uh, just over two. I think it's like two o five or something. Dude, uh, I have to say, I normally so because we we do a um, found footage film fest, the unnamed footage festival. We deal with a lot of like faux documentary and kind of like in world camera, and I um I tend to I don't know I think it's fun to be critical of documentary because nobody really talks about the format, and I um always say I'm not a fan of the talking head format. I usually like cinema verte and I was a little worried about going into this one that there was just going to be a lot of people telling me like oral stories. You got a lot of footage in that documentary. There's yeah, a they, lot of cool stuff. I honestly don't know who had it or where they found it, but yeah, there's, there's literally never before seen behind the scenes footage and photos in that documentary that that's yeah, it, it really makes it, it also helps the pacing. I think like you're saying, if it's just talking heads, sure. I feel like yeah. it's, it feels longer. Um, well, but yeah, there's always something engaging to look at in addition to whatever they're talking about. Well, also, it's it's interesting thinking of it in the context of the other films you've mentioned being acquired by Screenbox because you got Terrifier 2, which Terrifier, the original one, was just brutal. Like that movie didn't hold back and it really delivered on like, you know, uh, slasher fans want to see the kills. And it wasn't like Hatchet. Like it wasn't kind of like winky and like creative, but like also like we're in on the joke. Like Terrifier had like a mean spirit to it definitely which, honestly i think is why people were so into it yeah and so you got terrifier too it's like okay Screenbox is feeling a little edgy then you throw out pussy cake and it's like okay <laughs> we're getting a little and then in this it documentary i watched they uh they kind of dug into everything and they even had um the actress who played beverly recount when she had learned about the orgy in the novel and she was a child and she said when they were recording all the boys were like teasing about it. And like, again, I think she, what she was like 12 Something when they were like filming. That, yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because it's one of those things where the new it came out. Everybody was like, are they even going to, are they going to touch on this at all? Cause they're avoiding, they kind of gave a nod to like the turtle entity. Yeah. But I was like, they're not going to do the orgy. How are they going to do that? Which is still a thing that feels kind of weird to me. I do. In the documentary, I think the best argument for it I heard was that it was uh, children abandoning their childhood and that they were transitioning into adulthood, which ultimately was the way to protect themselves from the entity that was it. And I'm like, hey, that's a, that's a fair argument. But that's really- my thought process before any orgy <laughs> I enter. <laughs> right, Randy? Oh, God. No, but I mean, you guys, it feels like Screenbox is going to have a little bit of an edge here. You guys are diving into Stephen King orgy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, honestly, that was one of the things when I sat down to watch that documentary. I was like, I wonder if they're going to touch on this because, like, it had to be it had to be a conversation someone had in 1990 that it was like, "There's no way this is going to make make it on TV," and that did the for its time. It pushed some boundaries in terms of blood and and stuff like that. Oh yeah, creature stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was happy to see it addressed and like you know done so respectfully um and yeah like you said i mean i have to assume 
that was kind of King's intention for, for writing it in, in the novel is kind of your, your transition into adulthood, but maybe not his finest moment as a writer. <laughs> he was fueled up on Coke. Can we really <laughs> like hold anything against him? I, I remember when I had uh, read the, no- I almost said, read the no- I uh, did totally I audiobooked that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah I did that it was audiobook while working at a startup a different one because that's they come and go like that yeah. and um I I remember walking away from that moment thinking it was kind of a like connectiveness he was going for or like just like an unbreakable bond or something I'm like odd choice but yeah. also then when you think about it be happening in a sewer yeah, oh, no, there's a lot of... Uh, and, like, Stephen King, love him, obviously. Uh, absolute genius. But he his sex scenes are so, like, blunt and, like, <laughs> awkward. Like, I don't... It's it's weird when he's doing it with adults. I don't need it with... with How kids. do you think sex with Stephen <laughs> King would be otherwise? <laughs> um, gentle. And awkward. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he's got a lot of rage. Have you ever seen his Twitter? That guy, I, That's I true. think... Yeah. Oh, he's got a soft side. He's got that that uh, corgi. That's right. <laughs> he gets out all the rage on the page, so then he's a gentle lover. Oh, God, Stephen King, please don't listen to this. Now I see why they got you for the PR. That was poetry <laughs> right there. No, okay. um, if you're into, if I can do another quick plug, if you're into the Pennywise documentary, Screenbox also has, this one's not an exclusive, you can also get it elsewhere, but if you're already paying that $5 for Screenbox, you can watch Unearthed and Untold, The Path to Pet Cemetery which is, in fact, one of the directors of Pennywise. Prior to that, he made this documentary. He went up to Maine and like interviewed these people who have never spoken about all like the locals who, were, who worked on it, uh, about oh, the, the 90s version of Pet Cemetery. Um, it's really interesting. God, it's crazy to think that you could make a documentary about these, um, these titles now and still have a bunch that hasn't been uncovered. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm guilty of this. Like, we talk about horror movies all day, and there are so many podcasts out there that do horror that I tend to, I just have, like, no interest in digging up anything about Friday the 13th. I'm like, there's <laughs> books, like, written on it. Uh, like, I definitely agree. Yeah, especially the big yeah. franchise. And the, the ones that have had those documentaries. Like, there's nothing... Like you could offer me an interview with Robert England, and I'd be so stoked. But I'd be like, "What am I going to ask him that he hasn't answered three million times at every, you know, every interview, every convention, every appearance?" Exactly. Yeah, it's like, what? Do, where do I fit in here? Yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm sure now that you're in the industry, you run into these people who are just they're fake it till they make it all day, <laughs> and it, and it works sometimes. It, and it always works. <laughs> yeah. But that's why you're here stuck it, with it us. It got me here, you know? <laughs> oh, no. This is, this is going to be the bottom. It, it's all uphill. Or no, it's all downhill now. Wait, which is the good one? What? Um, it's all downhill. That seems not good. What? Yeah, uphill downhill seems good. <laughs> no, downhill, you're cruising. But if we're, if we're already at like rock bottom, there's nowhere to go but up, I think is the phrase. Yeah. No, but then it's all, it's all downhill from here. Yeah, it's not all up here because we climb downhill is like towards the rock bottom. No, no, no. But we, we got to go back down. We 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 hit the highest peak and it's time to go back to the Peaks village. and valleys, ebbs and flows. Yeah. <laughs> Shit rolls downhill, dude. Shit does roll That's downhill. That's another saying. And that is where the overlook hour comes into place. <laughs> yeah. So, dude, Alex, I'm uh, I'm so stoked that you're just like casual about all this. Because normally the PR people do not want to play ball with us. Oh no, I'm get, I'm I'm here for the 
ball playing. All right, here's the most important question. <laughs> Finally, you shut the fuck up for five seconds. Oh, dude, I'm still I'm hanging out with my brother over here, Alex. I understand. I don't <laughs> like it. Okay, this bond you had. Okay, he didn't have a shirt. You won't shut up. I feel out of place. Here. I'm gonna pop off okay? my shirt in a second, dude. We'll three. I'll we'll go right now, dude. Um, and again, no tattoos over here. But so, Alex, who founded Screenbox? Um, <laughs> great question. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, who's, who's running Screenbox today? What, today, what, so Cinedime is Screenbox parent company, um, and it's run by the team behind Blood Disgusting, including myself, um, Brad Miska, who and Tom Owen, who are like the co-founders of Blood Disgusting, are are like heading it up. Gotcha. Because years ago, I heard about Screenbox through a guy who. Uh, through on this, do you not know the story? No. Oh, get very excited. I know about Screenbox through Joey Diaz oh. because the guy who founded Screenbox went to high school with Joey Diaz and he was talking about this at least five, six years ago. Yeah, it did. It did exist for a while. Um, and it was really like a, I don't want to say dumping ground, but dumping ground for, you know, it was like indie stuff that that's a varying quality. There's some real, there's some gems in, in the titles, but there's also like stuff that, you know, probably couldn't find distribution elsewhere. And it was like bought in like a package and just like exists in, in a library somewhere. Now, um, hold on. Now, Alex, I feel like you're even being charitable there because <laughs> I now I, again, we we steer away from like franchise films and bigger IPs, so we like to we like to talk about indie films, and uh, yeah, indie films like Jordan Peele's Nope. <laughs> well, if it's current, you know we got to play the game. But I mean, me and Oksana have spent so much time on even like the Roku app because you know you can make your own channel on there, and people will put up their own movie. And shout out Nigel Buck. The worst thing isn't like films that couldn't find a home. The worst thing is the film that found 48 homes. <laughs> and they're everywhere. Like you go to Tubi, you go to Amazon Prime, you find five little, like they're, they're public domain, but they're not. And I think the major fear with the new streaming service would be like Screenbox. I hope they don't do that. Like, like it's just all, um, I don't know public domain like, like you know this week we're coming out with the new night of the living dead colorization or something. yeah yeah uh no i will say so because and again this was before my time but because cinedime acquired screenbox they also acquired their entire catalog um so everything that was on there when they acquired it you know whatever they whatever rights still exist is still on there so our library is like 650 titles deep oh wow um and probably you know, a hundred movies you've heard of, and then another maybe two hundred that are like decent, and then others that you may never hear, hear of or watch. Um, which could again, there could be some diamonds in the rough, but there's definitely there's definitely some of that on there. Um, and there is, I mean, you know, we like to be a voice for indie filmmakers, uh, as I said before. You know, I I am one as well, so it's cool to have an outlet for some of that. Um, but we're definitely focusing more now that, you know, there's, there's kind of, uh, a new, new guard in charge. We're definitely focusing on more exciting, uh, and accessible titles that, you know, we can put our name on and, and be proud of promoting. Okay. Now you mentioned you're a filmmaker. All right. 
What kind of films are you making? <laughs> I mean, fucking horror, obviously. What kind? Though? Come on, you're <laughs> um, more interested than that. No, no, I've I've only made shorts uh, as a director. Um, but Marco, I've, I, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> thank you. Actually, um, I insulted him earlier, but well, vaguely insulted. Finley Vale insulted him earlier. Um, but so my first short I made, like I don't know, 2016 ish called The Horrors of Autocorrect, was distributed by Crypt TV, which is co-owned by Eli Roth, or it was. I don't know if he's still involved. Um, so that was, like, my first short right out of the gate, and it was, like, as far as short films go, it was, like, a moderate success. I mean, I didn't make any money from it, but I got, like, whatever, 30,000 views in, in a week or whatever. That was super oh. exciting. It was like, oh, it's going to be not easy, but, like, oh, people, like, like my stuff. They're going to like my next thing. And then, like, Every subsequent short, I probably made like another whatever eight to ten shorts. Like each one, it's like harder and harder to find an audience. I, I'm getting better as a filmmaker, I feel. Um, but because again, is it like we were talking about before? Just so inundated with content, ultimately it just lives up on YouTube. And like if if someone famous isn't promoting it or whatever, it's just really hard to get to be seen. Um, so with that in mind, uh, my last short's called The Nurturing. If you want to look it up on YouTube, it's only like six minutes long. Um, I'm proud of it. Uh, I have other shorts that are coming up, but that's the most recent one that's online right now. Oh, you've got, you've got a few under your belt. Yeah. All right. So what the fuck are we doing? When are you going to make a feature? (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's like literally like my dream in life is to make a feat well, make movies in general, but like make a feature. But I also don't want to, cause I've worked on so many of them that are just like indie stuff thrown together. And like, they're super fun to work on, but again, it's, it's like my shorts. I just, I don't want the same thing to happen where I put everything into it and then no one watches it. And I just feel like defeated. Yeah. And I also don't want, um, to be too restricted by like budget and time and stuff like that. I'm not looking for, you know, $10 million, but like, I also can't make something for 10 grand or whatever, something that I, I don't have the story anyway that I could make for that low of a budget. Um, I've worked on several like that. I, there's, if you end up on the YouTube channel, that is the nurturing. There's a teaser for a movie called the Bizu taker of children. Um, that we shot for around 10 grand, um, we'll oh, still wow. post production. Um, and like for its budget, I'm super happy with it. But if we had, you know, just a little bit more support, like I know it could have been a million times better. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, there's also no market really for indie films anymore, uh, particularly at that low of a budget. If yeah. you're, yeah. if you're, if you're under a hundred grand, no quote unquote, like real or like significant distributor is going to look at you. Unless you're, you know, some kind of anomaly if you're a Blair Witch or whatever, but. Yeah, they're out there, you know, found footage, low entry. But did, we just had um William Brent Bell on here. And I are you familiar with him? Uh, yeah, I just watched The New Orphan the other day. Yeah. And, you know, I I have a weird like as a horror fan, I had a weird relationship with his filmography because I always thought he was a studio guy. Like all his films kind of are like the early year release, right? Like with the boy. And and when we had him on here, I was just so curious to ask him about that, that end. And it turns out he's an indie guy who just is able to sell his movies. And I'm like, I didn't even realize people did that anymore. <laughs> I thought uh, you were either a part of the system or not. Yeah. I mean, I think it's increasingly rare. Like he got in at the, I mean, not to speak for him. 
Um, but I think he got in at like the right time when like DVDs were still big. So you could, yeah. you could, um, make a movie, even if it didn't do well in theaters, still make your budget, but like stay alive, I think was maybe his first movie or at least an early movie yeah. for him. The Frankie yeah. Muniz video game movie. Um, which I actually don't know. Maybe it did gangbusters at the, at the box office, but like, I think movies like that at that time, you could make a kill or you mentioned hatchet earlier. I think that's a great example. Um, that didn't have a lot of theatrical play, but made huge money on, on DVD and like at the time blockbuster still existed. So that's why we have a hatchet franchise. Whereas, you know, a modern movie, if it was just as good as hatchet had, you know, had all the things that make hatchet so good, you might not get a second one because there's just not, not the market for it anymore. Yeah, you know, um, we we do run into a lot of like micro budget films just f- from the nature of a uh, running a like found footage film fest, and there are people who figure out how to do the indie distro thing. But man, those motherfuckers are dedicated. Well, that's They're the thing; like, it becomes a full time job, which is yeah. like more power to them. Um, you know, no one believes in your stuff, particularly at that level, more than yourself, and you have to be your own like salesperson. Um. But yeah, the self-distribution is, it's, it's tough. I've worked on movies that did that and it's, it's hard again, just because there's so much out there. If you don't have some kind of hook or somebody like vouching for you, it's, it's hard unless you're out there hustling at every festival, every convention. Or yeah. built a solid fan base. Well, yeah. If you have an existing fan base, that's yeah. obviously, yeah, super helpful. Yeah. I don't, it's really interesting though, because like the the problem I would say with William Brett Bell Brent Bell's career is uh, all the studio meddling. Like I I gave him a uh, tongue lashing about the boy too, because I don't know how most of uh, I don't know how you feel about the boy, but I saw it in the theater twice. I loved it, and I had, the audience had a reaction where they like had thrown up popcorn, like <laughs> literally at the reveal. Like it's a thing that you pray for, and yeah. very rarely it did not happen the second time I watched it. Well, but, I, I I think he did the same. I wish I could see it with an audience. He did the same thing with the new Orphan movie, where it has like this this twist that's so absurd, but it commits to it and just like yes. comes out of left field. Okay, um, no, but no, yes, no. I I think I felt so. I liked the boy a lot and did not like the sequel. Dude, the magic, all the paranormal shit. I'm like, what happened? And he told us uh, they didn't ask me, and they just did it. Yeah, he broke it down. He said he, his audio dude had called him because they had worked on five films prior, and he was just like, "Hey, uh, do you know they're here right now?" And he was like, "No." <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, dude, they're doing digital stuff." Oh man, I know. And I was that like, hurts. "Dude, I was so mad about that. I was so pissed." Yeah, but um, no, what the fuck were we just talking? Oh no, with the new orphan. No, okay, William's not here. That was last week, Mister Brent, and uh. How'd you feel about it? I, I, and I'll tell you, I'll start off. I was a little worried because, you know, with the actress, that was such a like distraction. But then going into it, I was kind of like, oh, OK, we're just doing a typical sequel. She's going to kill a few people and then we're going to call it a day. But until that twist, I was kind of like lukewarm on it. Uh, no, I feel exactly the same. I think the first half of that movie, it's just like it's exactly what you'd expect from a prequel. It's which is the problem with prequels. It's like. The same as the movie you already saw, but also you know she's going to survive and everyone else is going to die because you've seen what comes next. Um, but yeah, and then that twist comes in. And I was like, oh, wait, this movie is like really good. <laughs> like the fact that they went there and then committed to it, like it was, it reminded me of watching Malignant for the first time, which oh, is like, yeah. Yeah. like, like, what am I, like, again, just the commitment to the, to the bit is, is impressive. You know, here's the thing I forgot to talk to him about was like, I'll answer it for you. 
Okay, good. When uh, when you're like mid studio, actors become a weird dilemma too, because like Julia Stiles in there wasn't a. It didn't. She didn't feel like a get. She felt kind of like, hey, here's a name that some people might come to check out. But like yeah. Lumen didn't do a lot for me in Dex. But you know, when you're like a bigger studio film, you can get people that like Ethan Hawke. And people will show up for that I mean, performance. Yeah, it's 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 a tale as old as time. You I got know, a budget. There's there's names on the list. You go from there. Yeah, but I feel like it's almost like an obstacle at that point. Like, oh, I got to deal with Julia. <laughs> I don't. I, mean, I doubt he was like that. That's but. your insecurities. <laughs> I'm sure she's a nice person. No, like remember when Night of the Demons was remade and they had Eddie Furlong in there? Oh yeah, that's not a get. It's like, oh, we got we got chubby Eddie over you here. You pick on you pick on Eddie Furlong too much. The Crow well, Four. I, I, yeah, I think I think Julia is a little better than Eddie in terms of oh, yeah. uh, audience um, reciprocation. Well, and also <laughs> maybe you know histories of you know history of substance abuse yeah. as well. <laughs> but um, I, what I want to know yeah. is just what is Screenbox going to do about it? <laughs> are, they, are you going to get him in over well, there? <laughs> um. I guess I can break the news here that our Eddie Furlong documentary, it's, <laughs> it's eight hours long, film by film, with a full hour dedicated to Night of the Demons, coming to Screenbox 2029. Alex, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun kicking it with you. Thanks, that's the first time and, I've ever heard that. No, dude, well, <laughs> get, get ready to hear it again. Because when you make your feature, you got to come on here and talk about it. And I'm, I'm just curious, now that you're a part of the Screenbox team, or do they have like room for shorts on there? Or that's actually obviously somewhat um, for my own uh, good, but uh, that was a question I brought to them early on because so this is a backstory you don't necessarily need to hear, but I'm going to tell you anyway. No, please uh, don't hear. For, for the migration to this new user interface, um, like I said, we had to go through and and recategorize everything by genre, um, and that was a task that I took on. Um, so I had to go through and like movies that I weren't familiar with. I had to like look up their whatever IMDb or, you know, looked up IMDb, Wikipedia, Letterboxd and like source information to see like, oh, is this paranormal? Is it supernatural or is it, you know, whatever, psychological. Um, and in doing so, I found like maybe a dozen or so short films that they just, again, they just like had in their library that they probably have the rights to, you know, forever. Um, and again, of varying quality. So I, I brought this up. To, to the team and I was like is this something you know you'd like to expand upon because I, I know I think Shudder has, has featured some shorts before um, and I just think that would be a really cool thing to like curate so there's nothing in the works in that regard um, they do also have um, Bloody Disgusting TV runs uh, uh, which is part of available as part of Screenbox um, they have a program dedicated to short films so you can you do get some in there uh, but oh. I would love to see a dedicated section within Screenbox sometime in the future to kind of showcase, even if it if it carousels out, like, you know, if we have a month featuring, you know, here's four cool shorts to watch this month or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that's something we can bring in the future. Yeah. Short films are weird because like, what do you do with them? I know at a film fest, they're very important and they play like, and uh, it's a lot of fun as a programmer to like pair a short with the feature. And Honestly, I mean, if you could try and do something like that on the streaming thing, that would be rad. And you got a full magazine full of shorts just waiting for a home. And uh, also, yeah. you know, you're talking to a couple jerk offs who've ran a film festival for five <laughs> years. We've seen a couple hundred shorts. Keep that in mind. 
Yeah. Um, no, I, I would. Yeah, I would love to do something like that. All right. Now, Alex, now, before we let you go, because I don't have a clock in front of me. How long have we stolen? Where is time? All right. Well, hold on. Oksana, can you pull up the genres on Screenbox? I see you over there with it open. Now, because you made up the subgenres on this site, I want to ask you a couple of them. No, not this one. I made up the, I, I classified the new ones, uh, okay, which, the new which one. aren't, up there, aren't up there yet. Okay. Did you have any beef with these other ones? Because I remember looking at it and they had like some uh, categories that I had never heard of. <laughs> well, see, that's, that's the problem. Like, like it's, again, it's cool that it's so segmented, but also a headache. Well, it felt like somebody was in there having fun. Right? <laughs> well, Oksana, that, yeah, yeah. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> Oksana, I can't see that far, but uh, are there any that stand out to you? Uh, the, the whole damn thing. <laughs> uh, so, which is, which is like, again, confusing. The whole damn thing is literally just like every movie on, on screen dogs. Oh, God, Oksana. <laughs> but there are, uh, I, I just pulled up, there's some, there's backyard, uh, excuse me, backwater butchers. There we go. Just plain weird. Um, when nature attacks, which is a cult and religion. Um, Those ones aren't that bad. The no, first the, two, they're a little like oddly specific. But then, so they say, so it's like weirdly segmented where they have they have possession and demons as one. Then they have ghosts and spirits. Then they have um, supernatural. So it's like. Like, what's the difference between those three? I mean, obviously, there you could make an argument for differences, yeah, but like, you'd be really splitting hairs. At that yeah, point. and then there's like psychotic again. and psychological. Um, <laughs> okay, so when the, you were looking over that, what were you like? Like, all right, this backyard butcher's got to go. <laughs> yeah, so th- it was like a team decision uh, with the budgeting team. Everyone made like, here's like what we would narrow it down to, and then kind of as a group came up with these. I, I think it's twelve or thirteen. Um, so it so it'll be a lot more streamlined and you kept found footage we kept found footage yes what was that conversation like was it like um, a no-brainer or was like half the people like man fuck found footage and the other <laughs> half were like dude you got it found footage is in now dude. well it's it, one of those things which is why we kept anthologies it's like certain movies you kind of can't break down beyond that obviously like a lot of found footage also fits into paranormal or supernatural or whatever yeah but some of them don't some of them you can't really classify other you could just call it like thriller maybe if it doesn't you know if it doesn't involve ghosts but it's still found footage um or anthologies again that's even more uh, you know you might have one short that has zombies in it but i wouldn't call it a zombie movie it's an anthology um that's fair so that's basically where that what how that broke down okay so if you had like vhs or like the fear footage would those fall under anthology like does that trump the uh found footage category well you can also we also have some stuff placed in multiple categories so so that would be in found footage and anthology perfect and uh again i i bring this up because the people that listen to this show are the same people that uh, rallied against tubi to get them to make a found footage um description and they did you you come to Screenbox, we got you covered um it's not if I can do another quick plug no, before we wrap do. up, it's not found footage, but I guess that's probably where it'll end up in the categorization because it's a mockumentary. Um, but we have this movie called When the Screaming Starts coming in September, September 20th, uh, Screenbox exclusive. It's like a serial killer mockumentary uh, that's pretty funny that I think, you know, if you appreciate the medium, you might get a kick out of it. All right. Now, I'm uh, obviously bad at what I do. I do not. I'm not familiar with this one. Is it kind of like man bites dog or Um, what we do? But but funny. Yeah. uh, Yeah. More tonally like what we do in the shadows 
plot wise more man bites dog oh i like that combination because it's it's serious it's a serial killer yeah is that an acquisition or is that one like out there no that's an acquisition that'll be a screen box exclusive oh yeah good deal no i love it if you guys want to talk about on the show get your screening link oh please do yeah um i'm sold (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to dive in there solely based on Alex. And if I end up not liking it or I get uh, a weird virus and my IP address gets out on the dark web, <laughs> I know who to come after. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So no onion links over there, Alex. Oh my God. <laughs> I just learned what that was last week. I'm very excited. Uh, Alex, this was a blast, man. Thanks so much. And, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to uh, promote the offerings of Screenbox in perpetuity. Thank you. Yeah, let me come back once we launch the new site and, you know, maybe sometime next year, talk about what we got going on. Um, we just solidified our schedule for the rest of the year. Uh, I have some really cool stuff. and We're starting to look at 2023. Um, when you relaunch, or, I mean, is it going to be a new app? Is or, You know, get it on all the streaming, uh, you know, my Apple TV, things like that. It, it will be. It'll be a new app. Uh, we're currently on. Let me see if I can do this right uh screenbox.com is the easiest place to get it and that's where you can get a 30-day free trial but we also have we have apps on ios and android you also subscribe through prime video um youtube tv and comcast um if you're able to i suggest going directly through screenbox because when we launch a new title it'll launch right at midnight on screenbox but sometimes on the third-party platforms it takes a little longer um but yeah so the, the new interface will be a new app and website um so it's gonna be much much more user-friendly like i said we're streamlining everything um be able to highlight like new titles easier um and if i can't put my publicist hat on for a second couple other titles we have coming up would you hey, like to hear hey, about them yours yours do, do it <laughs> yeah. all right not just a, just a couple more um deep fear is coming in october october 11th which is it's set in paris in the 80s and it's basically like the descent but in the catacombs under paris um and a movie that something tells me you guys might enjoy uh november 8th called all jacked up and full of worms oh which is yeah it's about hallucinogenic worms um and it's like cronenbergian it's just like depraved gory insane but at the core, it's also kind of like a, like a poignant story about loneliness, but through this uh, fucked up vision. Um, and then we have Terrifier 2. Uh, like I said, not dated yet, but that'll be up in the fall. And we're all really excited about that. And that trailer, by the time people hear this, you'll be, can, you can watch that trailer. And yeah, a lot of cool stuff coming to ScreenBox.com. ScreenBox TV on Instagram and Twitter. You can talk to me there and give me shit about this show. Dude, there you go. Heard it from the man himself. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. 
I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>